At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. By them practicing self-care and we practice self-care, that allows us to have a lot more healthier relationships. Because again, for me, self-care is synonymous with self-love. We can't ask someone to love us if they don't necessarily practice love for themselves. Hey, it's Monique, and this is episode 71 of the Brown Vegan Podcast, where I love to share strategies on how to start and keep going with the vegan lifestyle and bring on guests to do the same thing. You can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com. And also be sure to follow me on social media. I'm Brown Vegan everywhere, including YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So one of the things that I really like about this show is that over the years, I feel like it has evolved in a great way. Not only do we talk about veganism as far as from the food perspective, but I also feel like we talk about other areas as well to improve life. You know, how to spend less time on social media, just how to be Groove people and feel good all over. And so I feel like that's where we're going with this brand. And I'm really excited about that because I know I just think it's really important to just show veganism as a lifestyle and not just as something that has to do with food because at its essence, that's exactly what it is. It really is just a lifestyle. It's not a diet. So I just love that lately I've been able to incorporate other subjects, um, into this podcast in a good way. I hope so. At least let me know if you think it is. That's what's going on here. But I I really do and love doing this podcast because I learned so much and I feel like it's just a great way to share real world experiences with other people to inspire you to become your best self. You know, that's what it's really all about. And I feel like today's episode is just that. I have Nzinga on the show from YesBabyILikeItRaw.com. She's a holistic health consultant and a plant-based chef. And we connected on Instagram, and I just really love her brand, her approach to veganism, her approach to life overall. She helps people tap into their raw potential and process the unprocessed life. And so that's what we're going to do today. So for the first 20 minutes or so, we're going to talk about her vegan journey, her transition to eating mostly processed food to a high raw vegan lifestyle, which is basically when when you eat about probably 70% of raw food and then the rest of your diet is cooked food and how she makes it easy for her busy life. 
I mainly wanted Nzinga on the show, though, to discuss self-care. She did a 100-day self-care challenge on Instagram last year. And because of that, I was like, you have to come on the show and talk about self-care, what self-care is, and how you can incorporate that into your daily life in a way that is affordable. And also to pull back the layers of self-care being more than just a manicure or a massage. She's going to talk about how self-care is a great way to improve your relationships and also self-care for men. I feel like that conversation isn't had enough. So when she brought that up, I was like, yes, girl, we have to talk about how to make self-care a priority for men as well. You can get all of the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode at brownvegan.com under episode 71. And also be sure to follow Nzinga on Instagram at yesbabyilikeitraw. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into her vegan story. I decided to become a vegan because I wanted to stop having to go to about five or six physicians and I wanted to find another way to deal with the health conditions that I had. And so I decided to approach it through a vegan diet. And so that was the major reason why I went vegan. Um, I have a pituitary tumor, it's a brain tumor. I have polycystic ovary syndrome and I have this rare autoimmune disorder called scleroderma. And I got diagnosed with all of these things between the ages of 12 and 14. I was on tons of meds. I was seeing lots of doctors. And I remember seeing my hormone doctor, my endocrinologist, and asking him if I would be able to live without medication. And he said that it would not, I would not be able to live without medication because my organs would fail and some other list of things that he said would happen if I, I lived a life without medication. And he told you this as a teenager or were you an adult when someone, when he told you this? As a teenager. As a teenager. Oh my goodness. So, man, I couldn't even imagine. We don't really question, of course, our mortality as children. We don't think about a lot of those things that, you know, people in their 60s and 70s may start to consider. So what what were your, what are some of your thoughts that went in your mind as a teenager hearing some of that? <laughs> If I'm honest, I was really upset with God. Um, At the time of a seven-day Adventist, I was a really strong, I was really strong in my faith as a Christian. Church pianist, children's choir director, in the choir, usher. You mean, I used to knock on people's doors to tell them about Jesus kind of Christian. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I was upset with God, if I'm honest, because I felt that I was a faithful servant and that I was being punished and I couldn't understand what I was being punished for because I was also dealing on top of like the health crisis. I was also dealing with having to understand my mom was bipolar schizophrenic on top of some other things going on. So Mm -hmm. I was just really disheartened, sad, um, but hopeful if I, but there was a bit of hope, but I, I was really like, God, what's up with you? This is really whack. Yeah. So how old were you when you decided that, okay, veganism would probably be a way to help me treat some of this? I was 20. 20 years old. And what happened? Did you read something? What happened? Well, I kind of always knew about veganism because I grew up seven-day Adventist. Mm -hmm. There was always like a health message. And so with, uh, if you're not familiar, Seven Day Adventism preaches a kosher diet or vegetarian vegan diet. Uh-huh. Um, since my parents are from Haiti, 
uh, they kind of opted for, we're going to be kosher. So like there's things that I've never had um, unless I had it without my knowledge, pork, shrimp, crabs, lobster, thing of those nature I've never had in my whole entire life. During church potlucks, it was always vegetarian, vegan. And we used to have Saturday afternoons at church, um, what we call AY. And so they would come and speak on the benefits of eating a certain way. So I knew that a, a certain diet had its health benefits. But I think when I was 20, that's when I really started to own my adulthood in terms of I could make choices for myself mm-hmm. and I didn't have to necessarily be confined or restricted to my parents' ideas of what I should be or who I should be or how I should live. And so that kind of helped segue the, the I'm going to be vegan kind of conversation. And what was also helpful, although he never pressured me to, is my college sweetheart was vegan as well. Oh, so you had some influence there. I, not really. Like, I I remember uh, we would go places and I would have my oxtail and he would have his tofu. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's you know, a big, like, I'm, I'm, that's know, a big difference. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally, I always laugh at this one particular story. I remember at AY, they brought in this documentary, which is so ironic now because I'm such a documentary pusher, where they were showing how chicken was being fed feces and all that stuff. And I was like, after I saw the documentary, you would think that would have been my conversion. I was like, I don't care how much ish them chickens are eating. I love my chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never giving it up. (laughs) But it sounds like he did kind of have an influence. Because you know how, like, you can not pressure somebody, but if you're in the room with them and you see how they move and how they eat, it kind of have an effect on you. I literally went vegan without him even knowing. Like, I was vegan for, like, six or two months, six weeks or two months before I said, hey, by the way, I'm vegan. What? Are you serious? So yeah. What, you, did you know I, what to cook and everything? Because I know you had, of course, that seed had been planted in you since childhood that this, you know, this is a possibility for your health and wellness. But did you like, how did it look for cooking? Because I'm thinking about when I was 20 years old, how I cook compared to now. So how did that look at 20 years old, putting your meals together for yourself? I was the family cook. Um, growing up in a Haitian household and my family was pretty old school. I was, there was no, you're not going to learn how to cook. Like, I remember my first cooking lesson. I didn't touch the stove. It was like a list of axioms. One, you're not a woman if you don't know how to cook. Two, no one's going to marry you if you don't know how to cook. Three, if someone marries you and you don't know how to cook, they're going to send you home once they find out. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you the oldest? Are you the oldest? I'm the oldest and I was the only daughter until I was 21. And that was on my dad's side. Oh, wow. So I'm still the only daughter. So lots of pressure. And because I was seven day at Venice, the way we live, how we do um, our worship on Saturdays is we go to church. And traditionally, we have a big lunch dinner afterwards. And because my mother and aunt and grandmother, grandmother was phenomenal cooks that meant on average on a Saturday we'd have 20 to 30 people come after church to eat wow so that meant when I was of age to start cooking that on Friday evenings before the sunset I had to start making meals for that quantity of people so it wasn't necessarily 
cooking was the issue. It was how do I make my my cooking skills shift over to my vegetarian skill? But see, it sounds like you probably were no stranger to like seasonings and all of that stuff. So you just had to make some swaps. I didn't know how to season that. Like that's so key to Haitian um, cultural like repertoire. Like we season everything. Mm-hmm. So seasoning wasn't the thing. It was kind of navigating tofu my boyfriend at the time made amazing tofu so I kind of was like I'm gonna let you do that (laughs) tell us about do you remember I know he did it for you but did you pick up on anything that he was doing that makes it so different because I feel like tofu is one of those ingredients that people are really nervous about because the texture can be a little off if you don't get it right you know I actually can cook tofu really well although I don't make soy tofu anymore I make a chickpea one Mm -hmm. um you have to marinate it like it's meat. Um, sometimes I coat it like I would have coated my chicken and, with flour and then I would fry it. But I'm not big of a fryer like that anymore. Or I'll bake it or I'll stir fry I like I'll, I'll saute it. So it just all depends. Um, one of the things that helped me in the beginning when I was playing around with tofu was putting it in a freezer before I even thought about using it and then defrosting it. And that gives it a firmer texture as opposed to just putting it in the fridge. So freezing it and then defrosting it to use it for cooking gives it a um, less spongy texture. It gives it a firmer texture. I heard that it's more, is it a little more chewier? Is that true? I've never tried it. It's a little bit more chewier. The thing that's so interesting about tofu is, you know, you would never take, if you were a meat eater, and you would never take a pack of chicken out the freezer and just throw it in the oven. So I don't know why sometimes when we go vegan, we think that we can do that. Like you would never, you have to treat your, um, your meat substitutes just like you would treat meat. You know, you have to treat them like that. Um, take that same amount of care with it because if you don't, it will be bland. So I'm glad you mentioned that because it's so true. Yes. Seasoning is everything. So I joke with my, we're still good friends, my college sweetheart. So because I was transitioning with like my vegan foods, he'll say the only type of food I know how to make vegan wise is burgers because I got really good with making veggie burgers really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So he'd be like, what? And I would make things for him. But he'd always think, no, your mom made that because my mom started to also make dishes once she knew I was vegan and she would make stuff for him because he was vegan. He's like, you didn't make that. Your mom made that. So (laughs) in his mind, he's like, what? You're cooking for people? You got a cookbook? What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) That's how it is, though, right? It it just, it's something about, of course, it's lifestyle that it just makes you so, uh, it forces you to be independent in the kitchen because you can't, you can't really, you'll you'll mess around and starve if you don't get your butt in the kitchen and learn because, or you'll spend a lot of money on substitutes and all of that stuff. So yeah, it it will shift everything. Mm -hmm, For sure. (laughs) There's, there's a learning curve. I think the learning curve was smaller for me just because I had a background in cooking. Mm -hmm. Um, then the learning curve would be for someone who doesn't really have any experience in the kitchen. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that makes plenty of sense. So since you went vegan so young in your life, 20 years old, and now you say that you're 37, Mm -hmm. what has changed for you? How have you evolved in your journey over those, what, 17 years? (laughs) I would so frown at my 20-year-old vegan right now, like, ooh, you're you're really processed. <laughs> no, we um, gotta learn. We gotta start somewhere, though. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's better to start 
in a in a, a place of uh, I, it would have been better for me, particularly because I transitioned to veganism for my health, that I had less processed food in my life, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I would say vegan and Zynga now is high raw, whereas vegan and Zynga then was all cooked, sometimes raw. And so although, and but what I was doing on a regular basis that I think allowed me to see the shifts I saw in my health was I, I detoxed every season, every solstice, every equinox, I did a raw cleanse or mm-hmm. I did a juice fast. So I think that allowed and compensated for how I was for the remaining two months. Cause I literally would cleanse every three months. So back then you said it was highly processed and now you're high raw. What does a typical meal look like? Like, what do you, what did you eat today? Something that you ate on that was on your plate today. Okay. So this morning I had a cold pressed juice and a salad for breakfast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. I like salad. It's so funny because people think it's um, kind of strange to have greens for breakfast. I like greens at breakfast. I love that. Yeah. But Normally breakfast. I have a green smoothie, but I didn't have time. And I already packed my salad the day before, so I could have. I just picked it up and meant to make my smoothie. But I had a cold breast juice, a, a salad, and then just had another salad. You just and had green, yeah, greens and I, yeah, yeah. And I had like a banana, and I'm probably going to have a, a smoothie tonight. But I'm today is kind of funny because I'm going into 100% raw. I'm kind of in a cleanse mm-hmm. mode, mm-hmm. so um. To describe today as my day, my people might be like, all she's had is salad and <laughs> smoothies. So look, you're, you're an example of what people think that's what we do anyway. See, look at you. Look at you go with the stereotype. Yeah, I, I, my salad was amazing. <laughs> Tell us about it. What was in it? I massaged some kale, um, had cabbage in it, carrots. Um, red sweet peppers. What mm-hmm. else did I have? And then I made what made it amazing. Amazing was this dressing that I just threw together, which was peaches, ginger, turmeric, coconut cream, um, cayenne, and a little um, cold pressed olive oil. So good. Do you so make your good. own juices? I do, but you today do. I picked something up just because I was teaching a hot yoga class and I wanted to make sure I was going to be hydrated that's good see that's the thing i like i think it's important to always seek out what options are available around you and don't feel the pressure that you have to make everything yourself like make it is make it work for your you know make it work for your lifestyle and don't feel like you're being worked by it because i know i feel like there's a a misconception that veganism has to be super super time consuming but if you can figure out little you know pockets of time to you know, uh, seek out other options in your community, it will make it so much easier for you. Yeah. And I just discovered that 7-Eleven sells their own line of cold-pressed juices. What? (laughs) All the places that? What? For $3? (laughs) You're, but see, aren't you in Miami? Yes. See, that's probably not here. (laughs) It's probably a No, it's everywhere. I did the research because I have clients everywhere. Oh my gosh, I have to find it. A line of cold pressed juices, and they range. They the rate the cost for the bottle is three dollars, which to me is disrupting the market. For cold press, that's affordable. Organic cold press, very affordable. Wow, I have to check that out because I want to support that. Yeah, sure. That comes in handy, especially if you like on a road trip and 7-Eleven is like the only thing around. That's that's good to have that option. 
if, if someone is thinking about becoming uh, high raw, when do you recommend, I guess, that the cook food? Does it really matter what time of day they have that? Or, you know, do, it, mm-hmm. Usually the cooked meal is the heaviest meal someone will have in the day if they're having everything else raw. So I say that it should be between 11 and 2. Um, whether you're raw or not, not, your heaviest meal should be in the middle of the day when your digestive system is at its peak. Mm-hmm. And then you want to have your light, lighter meal right before you go to bed. Not, not right before you go to bed, but in the afternoon, evening time. So 11 or 2 for the heaviest meal. I'm going to use that tip because I, I was just talking to my husband, I think last week, we were just trying to figure out when we should eat heaviest. And so that makes sense that it would be 11 to 2 because like you said, it gets, you don't want to eat the heavy food right before bed kind of thing. Exactly. Because you've evolved so much with the food, I'm sure that your wellness, because I, I, what I love about your brand and love about what you do as far as following you on social media is you have a very, 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 very holistic approach to veganism. It's not just food. It's just everything for you. It's wellness overall. And so I'm sure that you've made a lot of shifts since you were 20 years old to 37, um, since you yeah. do that with food. So Let's talk about your wellness journey, um, self-care, all of that stuff. First of all, because that's why I wanted you on the show. I really wanted you to talk about self-care because I love your approach to that. Give us a definition of what self-care is to you. Self-care is anything that brings you balance mentally, physically, and spiritually and restores, renews, and nurtures you. In those in those areas as well. Your routine for self care when you were twenty years old to thirty seven is completely different. So talk about what that looked like for you. You know, like now that I've never had to like question, compare my twenty year old self care and my my current self care. I was actually, um, in terms of a self care that a lot of people push now. I was high maintenance when it came to my self care <laughs> when I was younger. <laughs> like in terms of like spending money to make sure I looked and felt a certain way, mm-hmm. I was definitely there. I got a pedicure every three weeks. I got my hair washed. I went to the hair salon once a week. Wow, girl! <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> Before I got my locks, and then with my locks, I didn't require that much attention. Um, I got facials. So it was so, all on the outside back then. It was the all outside the- self-care was there. And I was starting to delve in the mental st- self-care because I started to go to therapy at that same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started, I think I would say I was owning self-care, but I wasn't qualifying that. That terminology wasn't even trending at the time for me to say like, yeah, this is me doing my self-care. Um, but I would say I definitely had a self-care practice. But now at 37, I'm so much more intentional um, and mindful in terms of my self-care than I was then. It was kind of like a maintenance thing for me um, or healing from trauma in terms of my counseling. Whereas I understand now that in order for me to live the life that I want to live and the kind of work that I do as someone who's self-employed, I require to take moments out of my day every day and as well as have a day where I just practice self-care all day. And I also realized where my 20-year-old self felt like I need to spend money 
to nurture and restore and renew myself, my 37 year old self knows that some of my best self care is naps. Yes. Um, (laughs) Going to the park and laying on the grass with a book. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Turning my phone off. I call it Deborah Cox. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's a big one. Saying no to things that don't that don't make sense for you is big because it's so hard to do that. Self was trying to show up and be everything for everyone Mm -hmm. and myself. And I was always placed last, whereas I make sure that I'm pouring into my cup and a most recent quote I love is I am to pour from my overflow, not my cup. So I'm supposed to my saucer, not my cup. Oh, I like that. I'm not capable to pour in anyone else's cup. So I shouldn't even be whatever I'm assessing should never be half full. If you're giving and your cup is not, you know, full, you might not give as much as you should because you're trying to pour into someone else's cup. Yep. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, self-care is my major thing. Um, One of the things I did um, at the tail end of the last quarter was I did 100 days of self-care, which was a very difficult challenge for me because I was navigating guilt. So it wasn't always applying the self-care, it was letting go of the guilt I had attached to self-care. So what does that mean? I'm a recovering people pleaser. Um, Saying no, I would feel guilty or the person would make me feel guilty. Not showing up for them or feeling like I needed to show up for them. But now I understand that there's always someone else who can support if I'm not capable. But it was hard negotiating the no, especially with family members. Yeah, Saying no as the only daughter firstborn was a real challenge particularly with Haitian culture where women are taught to place themselves last um, down to like how we serve food and how we prepare food. Oh, wow. (laughs) Burn things. We're supposed to eat the burnt food and make sure that everyone else gets the good pieces. Um, If the man of the house is not there, his plate is always made first and placed to the side until he comes. I remember dating someone and I had burnt something and I gave him the good piece and I gave myself the bad piece and he was like why you gave yourself the burnt piece and I was like because that's what I'm supposed to do (laughs) and he was like what (laughs) no we're going to share that burnt piece and the good piece together and he helped me redirect that behavior but there's guilt like you know I should be better and I need to show up for all these people but the people in your life who stick around when you start to give to yourself and practice um, self-preservation are the people who are supposed to be there. And the people who are trying to make you feel guilty, the people who cannot understand, are the people who you need to have a distance with in your life Mm. because they're vampiric. And that's easier said than done. I I was going to say that. And I found if you become consistent in your self-care, people around you will support, support you when you start to fall off. Where now my friends are like, no, 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 you should stay home. Whereas before my friends would be like, oh, come on. Or even my mom. I remember one day I had like a super long day of work and I had intended to see her. And I, she called me on my way. I, I was on my way to her and I was telling her like, yeah, mom, I had a super long day, feeling kind of exhausted, still trying to come to you. And she's like, I don't like the way you sound. 
I think you should just go home and you can see me on a different day. And for me, for that coming from my mother was like, whoa. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. So, she would have been like, why aren't you coming? Where are you? You always say you coming. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do when you have those long days? What does your ritual look like as far as, um, I guess, decompressing from that and, and getting more centered? Um, I have intentional moments of stillness. Like, for instance, I had a super long day before we got on this this interview. So before I got on the phone with you, I I'd smudged with sage. Mm-hmm. Um, sage is a way that you can like cleanse your energy and just re- rebalance yourself. So I literally sat down, put some fire to my smudging stick and then smudged myself from the bottom of my top of my head down to the bottom of my feet and kind of repeated a mantra. And that just allowed me to center myself so I could be prepared to speak to you. Cause I had, I literally have been going since seven o'clock this morning. So what are some other things? I know you mentioned that you like to, um, you know, go and read a book out in the park or, you know, having some outdoor times. What other suggestions do you have for someone, especially because we're in a society, like you mentioned before, of people who see a self-care as getting a facial or a massage? What about people who want to do it on a budget and they and they think that they have to go to, um, you know, and spend hundreds of dollars in order to take care of themselves what really what would you recommend to make it more affordable so if you are someone who needs to be still by going to get a manicure or a pedicure like I did today <laughs> <laughs> you did tell me the other day you were going to get one too <laughs> yeah you can go to a beauty school and get a mani and pedi on a discount <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, I just got a pedicure for $15. I got my Manny for free, but I think if I had paid for my Manny, that would have been an additional 5 or $7. Whereas if you would normally, you would go to a normal hair salon or um, nail salon, the cost of your pedicure would be upwards of $25. Yeah. You know, so in the spot pedicure, there is $18. So you can't beat the price. Mm-mm. And you can also get other services done at most beauty schools. And I find that they take a little bit more time and care with what they're doing because they're in the learning process and they want to make sure they do it right. So you'll get a little bit more TLC, in my opinion, <laughs> than if you would go to another spot that's just always functional. Yeah. So. That's a good suggestion. Um, so I would say if you need to have a Manny and Petty, you can on a budget. Um, other things that I do for self-care is I'll just go to the beach or I'll go to a park or I'll go to walk for a few minutes just so I can get my body moving. Um, self-care for me is waking up to make my smoothie, um, taking the time out to make that salad so that I don't make bad choices on the road when I have those long days. Sometimes we justify bad behavior um, when we eat by saying I'm treating myself, but if you're really treating yourself, you should be treating yourself with something that's good, not bad. Yeah. So um, self-care is making meals that are pretty like I would for if I was trying to be with someone. So that's self-care for me because I remember when I was dating in my 20s, I would make these amazing candlelit meals and all this stuff just to, to just prove, you know, in your 20s, you're just trying to prove I'm worthy. Yeah. 
So now I'm proving my worth to myself by putting the same love and energy and cooking those meals for myself. Love it. So I don't just take, sometimes I post these beautiful meals on Instagram and I'm not taking them just because I'm a vegan chef on Instagram. I'm, I, I make those meals because I want to show myself that kind of love. So I date myself. Yes. Too. Yes. I, I was going to say that. This is like I'll, self-care and self-love. Yes. Self-care. For me, those two are synonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do I do? I make my phone work for me, not against me. <laughs> Tell us how that works for you. Because so yeah. I have apps <laughs> on my phone that one allow me to check out so there is an app that i use from miss huffington that shuts my phone off so i can't get calls i can't get text messages it's called thrive so yes. it's an app on your phone because i use freedom so let me find out about thrive and thrive, is it right so when people text me it'll send them a text I'm currently in thrive mode. I won't be available until 20 minutes from now, whatever time I put on there. If you know you need to set some time aside where you don't touch your phone, it literally doesn't even let you check out. So when you say I need to be off the grid for 20 minutes, it takes you off your phone grid for 20 minutes. You can put a list of emergency numbers that can come through, but every other call, you won't, you won't, your phone won't even ring. So not only when I go to the park and read a book, do I do that self-care with those things? I turn that app on so I'm not even tempted to reach for my phone. Because it's like this terrible habit of picking it up. Even if, because you get a moment of silence and for myself, I get if I get bored, I just pick it up to do yeah. better. <laughs> exactly. You, I, I feel fabulous. like you're active on social media. So do you just post and bounce kind of thing? Like, I okay. feel like I see you. So another thing for me, part of my self-care is I I drop and go. Yeah, I, I call it post and bounce. That's what I call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I drop and go. And what helped me now become the dropper and goer is I did a almost 12 month social media detox where I didn't get on social media. At all, for the whole 12 months. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that changed my relationship with social media because before I was very active, I had a really... Um, well-known jewelry line and I was posting all the time because I felt like I need to be present and I wasn't just posting I was going down the Facebook rabbit hole Mm -hmm. and would be online for hours and I just didn't feel like I had a healthy relationship with the internet anymore Mm -hmm. and I needed to focus a little bit within Um, and so that's what I did and so now I have such a different relationship with with social media and just my my internet, internet use in general where I literally drop and go. It might look like I'm really active, but I'm not as active as I could be. Well, I would, I can see that after 12 months, it really, you, your perception, uh, your whole view of this is completely different than someone who is, is always plugged in. So I can see how easy it is for you to, to post and, and go. Because you are a business owner online like myself, during that 12 months, did you feel like it was affecting your business? Because I think sometimes I worry about that. And that's why I'm plugged in more than I would like to be. So that's such a great question. Half of my business or three quarters of my business is not online and Mm -hmm. the other quarter is. So at the time it was about 50-50. So my business suffered, but my clients were reaching out. Mm -hmm. It did suffer because I wasn't building up a new audience. So I would say to someone who feels like they need to do it, you need to hire someone or get an intern 
that can help you manage your social media for you so that you don't do what I did. Mm. That's a good idea. That's a <laughs> really good idea. Which abandon my social media presence for my jewelry line. Mm-hmm. Get someone to kind of come in and yeah. check it out, make sure it's good, and then they come out too. Was still, I was still making sales on my website. I just wasn't really engaging through social media. And what how I was building my audience was through my social media engagement. I have been practicing. I have this Freedom app and um, I'm going to continue to use it because the only app I actually have on my phone is Instagram because I was able to cut the cord with Twitter and Facebook. So I only visit those from my desktop, which is which is a completely different experience, which I love that I only go to those sites on my mm-hmm. desktop. That's awesome. Yeah. So the Instagram one is the one I'm really struggling with and I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to wean myself away. And I will say the weekends that I, that I completely delete Instagram are always my best weekends. I'm just being honest because it's something about it's so easy for you to not be present. It's so easy for you to just just be lost, like you said, in a rabbit hole when it comes to social media. So I just love it. I just love that. I feel like I'm really um, my my thoughts are more clear (laughs) when I'm not on social media and I'm doing things that are important. So, yeah, I'm definitely working on it. Awesome. So the next area that I wanted to talk about, because I know that we when we were going over topics for this um, episode, we talked about men and wellness um, as far as self-care, because you had you when you brought this up, I was like, oh, my gosh, we have to address this because I feel like men are never a part of this conversation. I totally agree with you. So what recommendations do we have as far as maybe our spouse or even male listeners? Because I I have a feeling I have some male listeners, even though they don't really talk to me. I have a feeling they're out there. (laughs) What suggestions do you have? So I'm a older sister to five brothers. So I'm super invested in men Uh because I love my brothers. And I'm, I'm really close with my dad, too. And I saw how my dad's health was affected because he wasn't necessarily practicing the best self-care. So um, I would say that a lot of times when I see friends of mine who are in relationships practicing self-care for them, that there are ways to employ self-care with your partner and it just doesn't have to be me-centric. It could be me-centric in that you're getting something done for yourself, but your partner could also be getting something done for themselves um, at the same time. So uh, maybe going to get a pedicure together, <laughs> uh, maybe getting a massage if you if that's what you want to do, or even just like being more mindful of how they of what they eat, taking supplements. Men aren't really like clear on why they should take a multivitamin or why they should eat a certain way or why should they wash their faces a little bit different. But if we offer them some advice or eat... Or provide it. Even having it in the bathroom is good enough sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) I know what my husband it is. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So I remember... uh, having to support someone I was dating with food. And at first I was doing all the food prep and then I started to show him how to do it. And then he started doing all his food prep on his own. So it's empowering them to understand that they should also value themselves. And then by them practicing self-care and we practice self-care, that allows us to have a lot more healthier relationships. Because again, for me, self-care is synonymous with self-love. We can't ask someone to love us if they don't necessarily practice love for themselves. Mm. And when it comes to men 
and self-care and self-love, it's not really there outside of, yeah, I might go to the gym, but it, that's, it's grounded in like machismo. I'm going to the gym to get muscles. It's not grounded in I'm going into the gym because I need to make sure I get some cardio in, not just weightlifting so that I can have a nice resting heartbeat. Yeah. Or why should you drink water? Like I literally was on the phone with my brother yesterday because I'm his go-to. <laughs> like I'm feeling this and feeling that. And I was like, well, what, have you been drinking your water? He's like, no. I'm going to drink it. But thank you. I've been taking my multivitamin and I feel so much better. And that was just me saying, hey, this is a multivitamin you should take. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should consider doing this. Uh, And self-care, again, is not crazy stupid. Um, Sometimes we take self-care to an extreme and we negate the fact that some people self-care is flossing your teeth every day. Mm -hmm. That's self-care. Brushing your teeth every day, taking a shower, especially for people who suffer from depression and um, any other forms of mental illness, that's a major thing to accomplish in the days, leaving the house and getting some sun. Yes. For men, I would say drinking more water. A lot of times when they get older, you can see the impaction from their constipation. This is the health and wellness person coming in. <laughs> so, get, <laughs> so they get the little pudge and it's hard and a lot of times it's poop. So getting a right of out of water, going and saying no to like they need to learn how to say no and know, know when to say yes. Owning and being self-care for me is also being vulnerable and being able to express your emotions. And I challenge women to create safe places for men to do that. We say we want men to be in touch with their feelings. But when they when when they do, we criticize them i.e. when Tyrese was crying, a lot of people were making fun of him, but that was a vulnerable moment. And how many times do men have an opportunity to do that? They're always, they're taught to internalize their emotions because there's a question of manhood if they don't. But for me, for men, I think it's important that they have a safe space where they can share their emotions, they can share their doubts, they can share their fears, they can share things that they feel vulnerable about. And and I feel like, in my opinion, that that would create healthier family dynamics, not just for the relationships we want to have with them, but the relationships that we want them to have with our children. I love, 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 love that. I love how you wrap that up because that is so, so, so true. And it is important for us to um, to nurture that, to, to make people, like you said, like men feel safe. Um, so that they can be better spouses and fathers so I, I and, and better people for themselves. And so I totally agree with that. And I really, really appreciate you saying that. So I know it's going to help other people. So I know that you have a self-challenge, um, a self-care challenge coming out very soon. So let us know what was your motivation as far as putting that together. Probably, of course, everything we've talked about and what that's going to look like when people are a part of the challenge. So I'm putting out a self-care challenge called S Off Your Chest. I think a lot of times we don't practice self-care because we feel like we need to show up as superheroes instead of um, the humans that we are. And being human means that we're vulnerable. We cry. We're sad. We're lonely sometimes. (laughs) Um, So in this challenge, this challenge is not just for women. Originally, I thought I was going to do it just for women. And I just didn't feel comfortable with that because then I thought about the needs of my brothers. I thought about the needs of the men that I'm friends with. And so it's a space for men and women to really connect with what they need for their self-care. So there'll be prompts 
for them to kind of figure out what they need. And in that challenge, I will then also have different facilitators come in and talk about different ways they can practice self-care in fluid ways and how they can apply it in their life. Mm -hmm. So there will be daily prompts, weekly prompts, and then there also be um, different practitioners of self-care so that people can have some new um, tools for their tool, their self-care toolkit. Is it 30 days long? How long is it? It's 100 days. 100 days. So based on how you did the social challenge when you did yes. the social challenge. Yes. So okay. I am a big advocate that you should do what you're telling people to do first to kind of work out any kinks that might exist. Mm -hmm. So I made sure I did 100 days. So I'm going to talk about the challenges I faced. I feel like with 100 days, it becomes a real commitment. And it's not like a one-off where, yeah, I did that 30-day challenge and it's no longer part of my life. But once you're 100 days in, you can't help but implement some of these things permanently into your life. Yeah. And for me, I also want to try to find 100 facilitators or 100 different ways you can practice self-care so that everyone's needs can be found. Because in 100 days, you'll discover what you thought was self-care for you at day one, it looks a lot different at day 100. And so how do we become a part of the challenge? If you go to my Instagram page, there is a link in my profile that says self-care challenge. And you can sign up like that. You can sign up for the email list. So if you go to Yes Baby I Like It Raw on Instagram, you'll find the link for the self-care challenge. Oh, or yeah. I'll have a link on YesBabyILikeItRaw.com as well. Yeah, so that's your website. I always love your website name. Would you... <laughs> Did you get it from where I think you got it from? <laughs> yes and no. Um, I, I don't even know the whole song. I got it because for me, I'm always, my work is to inspire people to tap into their raw potential. So that um, sounds so much better than what that song is really about. Yeah. Yeah. I love <laughs> it. But it's catchy though. Whatever works, right? It Whatever. is catchy. So it's catchy. So that's why I took it because I was raw and I was doing a challenge and everyone was raw with me and. We kept singing that. And I was like, that should be the name of my company. Yes. I love it. I love it. Where do you want us to follow you the most? It sounds like Instagram is probably because that's where I know you from Instagram. So yeah, Instagram is 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 where I'm at. OK, so tell us again where so you can follow. Yes, baby. I like it raw. And yes, baby. I like it raw dot com. Correct. It was such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing your love of self-care and just holistic life and all of that good stuff. Me so much. I really am excited that I was able to be on your show. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes. Also, don't forget to get all of the show notes and resources we mentioned at brownvegan.com. Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.